can have you here this evening as we uh, have a, a word of encouragement from uh, Steve Miner. Steve is the uh, and has been the preaching minister at the Wiley Church of Christ here in Wiley for the last five years. Uh, Steve uh, grew up in Oklahoma, born in uh, Hollis, Oklahoma. He graduated from Oklahoma Christian uh, with a degree in youth ministry in 1998. And uh, it is there at, at OC where he met his, uh, as, he's, as he indicated, the love of his life, Stephanie. And uh, they um, were married in 1996, and the, and the Lord has uh, blessed them with three children. Uh, Micah, who is married to her husband, Joel Turner, Mason, and McKenna. Steve and Stephanie have worked with congregations in Texas and Oklahoma, and uh, in addition to being the, uh, the, the preaching minister, Steve is the founder and director of, it looks like, two different uh, camps, the Legacy Family Camp that he uh, leads each October to equip and, and strengthen families, as well as the Mighty Men's Mentoring Conference, which uh, he uh, sponsors uh, or, or directs each January to train and strengthen men to be leaders. Thank you for your service to the kingdom, and Steve, we look forward to, to your word tonight. Preach the word, brother. Good evening. Good to be with you tonight. Actually, it's great to be with you tonight. We uh, see some familiar faces. Great to be with the, the Harrises. We know them and the Wondras. And then um, there's also another precious family that clearly is forsaking the assembly tonight. <laughs> Scott and Sarah Stewart. Y'all know them? Um, they were in our youth group years ago. Uh, I married them. We buried their sweet daughter together and uh, have been through a lot with them. And you are blessed by having them a part of your congregation, aren't you? And so uh, you be sure and tell them that I said they were forsaking the assembly when you see them <laughs> the next go around. <clears throat> it is good to be with you. You know, um, just in the few minutes that we have, it's amazing to me in the last two to three years, and even before that really, for various reasons, you have either said or heard these words said, do not fear, put your trust in God. But why is that? Why do we say that? And why can we believe that? And why can we dig deep into that? Well, if you go deep into your Old Testament and deep into the prophecy of Isaiah, you will find direct answers to those questions. How is it that we are a people who get to live our lives that we truly have nothing to fear? How is that? Isaiah 43. I'm not going to put the verses for you up there, so I hope you'll grab your Bible because I want you to look at these with me. Isaiah 43, we're going to look at 1 through 4 tonight and just give you some very encouraging faith-strengthening words. Now, now listen to what I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you these are going to be words, truths from God's Word that will strengthen your knees when they start to shake. No, these, will be, these are eternal truths that will steady your heart when your heart feels unsteady. These are truths that will set you and your spirit on solid ground when everything seems so shaky around you. These words will do this. I'm, I'm telling you, Isaiah 43 is where it's found. 
verse 1 through 4. Let's read it. But now this is what the Lord says. He who is your creator, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom and Cush and Sheba in exchange for you. And since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other people in your place and other nations in exchange for your life. A little background. Isaiah was a faithful spokesman for God until his death. He started prophesying around 739 B.C. He sought to bring faith to a nation steeped in paganism because of surrounding, surrounding nations. He warned Israel of the sin of idolatry and rebellion against God. He told them that God's judgment would be on their evildoers. Isaiah is the one who consoled Israel by prophesying of the coming Messiah more than any other prophet. And that this coming Messiah would bring them full redemption and full salvation, not just to Israel, not just to Israel, but to all the nations as well. And in this section of Isaiah 43, Really, chapters 40 through 66, it could be called a comfort for God's people. All of those chapters, a comfort for God's people. And chapter 43 specifically is all about redemption for Israel. It's a call to remember that there's no need to fear because God is. Do you believe that? There is no need to fear because God is. I talked to a lot of people about this very thing a whole bunch. I talk about it from the pulpit, from the class lectern, from the little white table in my office, on the street, no matter who it is, that you need to build your life on these three things, facts, faith, feelings. And don't get those messed up. Facts, we're talking about truth. It's just an F word that fits, okay? Facts. The idea is God is. No, no, more than that. God always has been. And it goes much further than that. God always will be. God is. God is what? No, here's the idea. Build your life on this. Build it on the facts that develops your faith and let your feelings follow. And some of you in this room, maybe including myself, not very good at this. Something happens in your life and your day, your week, your month is ruined because you've been led by your feelings instead of who God is. And what Isaiah is doing is saying, fix your eyes on the facts. 
God is. God is what? Well, those are the four things I want to give you tonight. But in regard to this text of Isaiah, may we spiritually sit up straight. And as one scholar said, take off your sandals, take off your shoes, because you're standing on holy ground. Why should I not fear? Number one, because God is creator. But now, verse one, but now says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel. They already know this. They intellectually have this, and you do too. But how much in my life do I need to be reminded of this? Do you know tonight God created you? No, I mean, he, he knows everything there is to know about you today. He knows every hair on your head. Some of us, it's not that hard. He knows what's happening in your mind. He knows what's happening within your body right now. He knows you. He formed you. He understands you. He knows exactly what you are going through. He knows you. He knows your name. You are valuable. See, he's just simply reminding them, do you see how valuable you are, Jacob? Israel, are you getting this, Israel? You're God. He's your creator. Don't leave Jesus out of that. I'm amazed at how, many talk, how much we talk about God, the creator, and we teach our kids in those classrooms, wherever your classrooms are, we teach those kids that God Genesis 1-1, created the heavens and the earth. Well, yeah, so did Jesus. Colossians 1, John 1, Hebrews 1, Jesus is creator as well. He is your creator. Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you, you know it completely. You know what I'm about to say before I say it. You hem me in from behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty to attain, David says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, and your right hand will hold me fast. And if I say, surely the darkness will hide, will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, and the night will shine like the day, for darkness is light to you. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I am fearfully, I am wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful, and I know it full well, and my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in your secret place. And I was woven together in the depths of the earth, and your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book 
before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast the sum of them. I don't get this. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the, gra- the grains of sand. I was there on the beach just a few weeks ago, and I picked the sand up, and I went, God's thoughts outweighs all of this that I'm seeing. He's got this covered. No, I'm telling you, facts, faith, feeling, no matter what it is, he's got it covered because he's your creator. Whatever's going on in your body right now, he's got it covered because he's your creator. He's got this. And you can hold on to that. This very hour, you can hold on to that. But there's more. God is also a redeemer. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You're mine. I just think if we got this one, one part of this one verse, like if we truly accepted that we are the redeemed, that we are his, I, I, like you, you couldn't build bi- buildings big enough to keep us on Sunday morning. Originally, redemption was the payment of a price to secure the release of a prisoner of war. The word actually came to be used also with the release of a slave and sometimes a person under the sentence of death, Exodus 21. Redemption always means the payment of a price to secure a release. People who sin become slaves to sin, John 8, 34. They cannot free themselves from that slavery. Christ's death on the cross. Thank you for teaching me that new song. New to me, oh, the blood. Man, that's powerful, isn't it? Is that your song? Is that your song? You have redeemed me. You are mine. No other people on earth gets to sing a song like that. Only the redeemed. How is it that we don't have to fear? Because we've been redeemed. Edward Young, in his commentary on Isaiah, says these powerful words. You you cannot comprehend what an inexhaustible depth the word redeem contains within itself. Redemption, redemption, redemption. That should be our creed, our theology, our distinctive character, our daily song of praise, our secret wisdom, our pearl of great price, our invaluable jewel, our one and our all. May we, may we know nothing, he says, but the blood which has saved us. May I think of nothing else, see nothing else, feel, hear, love, honor, nothing else except thy love and thee. He bought you back. He owns you. You're his possession. Ephesians 1.7, in him, Jesus, in Jesus, through Jesus, 
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. No, he, that word lavish in verse 8 of Ephesians 1, it, it's a word for, I didn't just give you enough for today. I gave you so much grace, you won't need all of it today. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood translates into the forgiveness of your sins according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on you. Is God's grace enough? No. It's more than enough. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul's going, Lord, I've got this thing going, right? Thorn in the flesh? And I'm just wondering, and he goes, my grace is all you need. It's sufficient. The idea of it's sufficient, it's more than what you need. Oh, people of God at McDermott Road, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Number three, God is also protector. Listen again, two and three. When you pass through the waters, mark this, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they're not going to overcome you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned. You're not going to be scorched. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I've got this covered. I'm your protector. He cares over you. He sees you through. When you live your life by the facts, faith comes by, y'all know this? Faith comes by, and hearing by the, is, is that in there? Faith comes by hearing the word. Why is, why is that? Because those are the facts. Those are the truth. It's Jesus. The word of God became flesh. Dwelt among you. He is the word in flesh. He delivers truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're studying the word, you're studying Jesus. If you're studying Jesus, you're studying the word. You can't separate the two, Right? And as you study the facts, the truth, you're studying who Jesus is. And Jesus, John 1 and verse 18, Jesus came, he, he literally says, I have come to explain him to you. John, written to unbelieving Jews, right? I have come to, if, you, you cannot get there except through me. The only way that you're going to know this God that you think you know and you don't know him, you're not accepting me as Messiah, so you really haven't been listening the only way that you're going to get there is that you do that through me. I have come to explain him to you. And so, just ask David. Ask Joseph, Joshua, Moses, Noah, and Daniel, and his friends, 
and Jonah and Abraham. Ask Paul. Ask Peter. Ask Stephen. Ask Jesus himself. Ask the men in the boat on the stormy sea. Ask all those Christians who have gone before you and who have proclaimed Jesus with their last dying words as the flames were burning, as the sword went across their neck. Ask them, and they will tell you he truly is protector. Psalm 27. Here's the way he starts it out. I'd love to read the whole thing, but here's the way he starts it out. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? God is creator, God is redeemer, and God is protector. And the reason that we are God's people that can stand before a crazy, crazy world and say that we have no fear is because we build our life on the facts that God has a track record with me, that God has a track record with you. Why don't you think about that instead of thinking about how, how much it hurts? I know it hurts, but you've got to think about his track record. He's never let you down. He's never not grown you through this, and he will again. And number four. God is lover of my soul. Verse 4. Since you are precious in my sight, Isaiah 43, 4. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other people in your place and other nations in exchange for your life. He loves you. And he cares about you. And he sent his son. He showed the love. No, 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 one's, no one's ever done this like this for you ever before. He showed the extent of his love by giving his son to die in your place. In your place. Romans 5, 6. While we're still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. God made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. See, we are a holy people. Do you accept that? You are the saint. You are saints. The saints that meet whatever city we're in. I don't, I don't know where we're at right now. But you are saints. You are those who have been set apart to be distinct, not distant. That's not what holiness means. Hagios. 
doesn't mean distant. It means distinct. In a dark, dying world, it means distinct. You are a holy people. But not because you are a holy person. You've been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. God made him who knew no sin to be sin, that you might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness, it's akin to justification and holiness. They're all cousin words in the Greek language. You've been made the righteousness of God through him, through Jesus. That's a beautiful thing tonight, isn't it? And he loves you that much. He loves you this much, 1 John 4 and verse 9. By this the love of God was revealed in us, that God has sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the appeasement of his wrath, to appease his, to, to satisfy his wrath, to send his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Back in Isaiah, if you go on for, uh, forward to chapter 54 and verse 10, speaking of God being the lover of our souls, he's going to say these words, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I'm reading this book. I just read this book anyway. Um, a lot of people give preachers books to read. And um, I'm sure Wes would say the same thing. That's great. Keep them coming. But I have a stack in my office, and I try to get through those. And when I get on an airplane or whatever, I'll grab a new one, just see if I can knock that one out on the trip. And a lady in the foyer handed me this book. <clears throat> and it's about a family. It's, a, it's called A Thousand Shall Fall. And it's, about a, it's written by the daughter of this family who were Germans. Um, and they were totally against Hitler and everything that he was doing in the 1930s and the 1940s. And so in 39, this 40-year-old man got drafted into the German army. But he was Seventh-day Adventist. And not by name only. Like he truly considered, I know we have different beliefs. We're not talking about that right now. We have, he was truly devoted to his faith in such a way that he went all seven years as a member of the pioneers. The pioneers were the, the Germans that went across the rivers and built all the bridges for the soldiers to come and fight in Poland and Russia, everywhere that they went, to try to conquer the world. He was one of the pioneers. And out of 144 of them or whatever, about six of them survived. And Franz was one of them. And this book just shares all the stories back and forth from his time over with the pioneers with his wife and his children and how they were destitute and without food and they wouldn't, they wouldn't give up to you know, Hitler and all of his demands. And man, the faith of this family is extraordinary. You know why? Because they truly believed that God was the lover of their souls. 
and that he was going to protect them. And out of those seven years, because he would worship, he would do his worship on the Sabbath on Saturday, and he begged everyone, you know, um, all of his captains and everybody that was over him, he would beg them to let him worship on Saturday. And out of the seven years, he only missed one worship because God protected him and took care of him. And this book just lays all of these stories out to show that there's a family who totally devoted their hearts and their souls and their bodies to Jesus Christ. And I'm just wondering if we had the same faith tonight. That no matter how, what happens, we're going to bow down to King Jesus. No matter what happens, we're going to pledge our allegiance to King Jesus. Because that's where it goes. We're going to put all of our trust in him. Total trust. Because I can tell you, there is no one, there will be no one who will love you more than your heavenly father. No one. And no one will prove that love more than your heavenly father. And he's already done that for you. He's, that's why you're here tonight, isn't it? This isn't just a social thing. It's wonderful to have friends here and, and to get together with a group of Christians. This isn't just a social thing for us. This is because we love Jesus more than anything. And we need to be here listening to the word of God. We need to rub off on each other, right? And we trust him that much that no matter what happens in this world, we're going to live by the facts that God is. And that's going to develop our faith. And we're going to let our feelings follow. So I want to challenge you this evening as we close that when you find yourself in a hopeless and helpless or confusing situation go to Isaiah 53 put a marker there and draw strength that your God that you just sang to a minute ago he is your creator he is your redeemer he is your protector, and he is the lover of your soul. And I promise you, you live by those facts, and he will give you strength. He will give you the endurance, the fortitude to go through whatever you need to go through in this life. Because we don't belong here. We are citizens of a different kingdom. Philippians 3.20 we don't belong here. Our citizenship is in heaven where we belong. That's where we belong. And that's what I've come to remind you of tonight. And if you've been lacking that trust tonight, you've been worried that the words of the, the, the truths of these words will move you to make it right. If we can pray for you, if the elders can pray for you, if they can walk with you through whatever you're going through, let them know tonight as we stand and as we sing together.